0: let's uh, bow in a word of prayer, and then we'll pray for our kids as they're dismissed. Father, we thank you for uh, Mother's Day. We thank you for our moms, and thank you for the influence they've had on our lives. And Lord, we uh, pray today that we'd be faithful to, uh, if they're still with us, to make sure that we affirm them and acknowledge them. And Lord, also, if, uh, Lord, we've lost our moms early in life or uh, they're no longer with us, Lord. We pray that you would uh, give us the grace and, and the comfort, uh, knowing that uh, they had a influence in our lives at one time. Father, we pray for our children, that you would dismiss uh, them to their classes, that you would just uh, bless them, that you would open their hearts to your word, that you would fill the teachers with your spirit, and even over in the nursery, Lord, that you would help them minister to these small little hearts. And Lord, hey, we, as we turn our heart to your word, to the book of Exodus, Lord, I pray that you would uh, minister to our hearts and open our hearts our minds to your word to help us to set aside all the busyness of our week and we thank you and we praise you in jesus name amen amen all right never seen kids so eager to get to sunday school i don't know if it's my preaching or the, the teacher you know i haven't thought about that so Ah, maybe I should be going downstairs and they should be staying here. Anyway, you can turn over to Exodus chapter 2. I just want to do a little message for our moms today. Um, you know, it's always hard sometimes to uh, find that right message. And usually on Mother's Day and Father's Day... Um, we try to at least acknowledge them, if not preach a message about their role or affirm them in some way. And usually on Mother's Day, I end up reminding everybody how important it is that they're good to their moms, that they acknowledge their moms. And then somehow I fall into this default on Father's Day. I usually tell the men what they need to be to be a better dad. <laughs> so I, I don't want to scold anybody today. That's not my role here. Um, but a lot of times our assumption seems to be that moms are already uh, pretty close to perfect. Uh, <laughs> and somehow dads need a little scolding once in a while. And man, I think we can be men enough to acknowledge that. But we're not going to do any scolding today. But I, I want us to look in the Old Testament because it's going to be interesting to see Uh, this woman of faith, and uh, titled, The the Message, A Life-Changing Faith, The Life-Changing Faith of a Mother. And, uh, you know, moms, you probably have one of the top two most difficult jobs in the world. Um, The second being, probably being a father. Um, But the sad fact of life is that uh, those doing the two most important jobs in the world, uh, at least it's been my experience, are often at odds with one another instead of a team. Uh, And that situation can't always be helped, but a lot of times it can when you look to God's Word. And moms, I just want to tell you, you may never be able to change the dad. In your child's life. You know it's often a futile effort to even think of that. Uh, but you can do some things to help your child become a better person and help him become the child that God created him or her to be. And as I said, being a mother is not obviously an easy job. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, it requires some tough decisions, sometimes decisions that are risky Sometimes decisions that are heart-wrenching, and we're going to see that as we look into Exodus chapter 2 today. But the foundation of those decisions that you make as a mother, I just want to let you know, um, at the foundation is God's promise that he will provide a way for your children, those who are surrendered to his care. Um, Behind every great man is his mother, someone said. Uh, Someone imagined the mothers of these well-known sons, and you'll probably understand this as we read this through together, but uh, making the following comments. These are well-known sons, and this is probably what their mothers said. First one up is Mrs. Morris. Sam, stop tapping your fingers on the table. It's driving me crazy. In a Morse code. See, you get the flavor of the thing now. Okay, M- Mrs. Lindberg. Charles. Can't you do anything by yourself? Mrs. Washington. George never did have a head for money. <laughs> uh, you, you might not have your coffee this morning, but come on. Be, be gentle with me here. Mrs. Armstrong. Neil has no more business taking flying lessons than the man on the moon. Those are out of Reader's Digest. Someone said this, and this is just a little quote. You can put it up there on the screen. It's never been easy being a mother. If it were easy, fathers would do it. <laughs> Buddy Hackett said this, My mother's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. How many had a mom like that? Yeah. J.D. Salinger said this, and this is nice mothers are all slightly insane. <laughs> they have to be, you know. I mean, <laughs> can you think of anyone else in the world that has more potential for a positive influence on a child than his mother does? A mother creates that close bond with her children that will last a lifetime. Mom's influence will be either positive or negative. A mother has the opportunity, like Timothy in Scripture, like his mother, to plant the seeds of faith in a child that can, God can use to lead into a life of daily walking with Christ and service to God. One of the life's greatest blessings is to have a godly mother. Abraham Lincoln said this, no man is poor who has had a godly mother. And so one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is being a godly parent. That goes for moms and dads, but this morning we're going to focus on moms. Um, and I want us to consider this godly example of a mother taken from the pages of the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. The mother of the human writer of that book, Jochebed was her name. And here's the story. And you know this, probably you're familiar with this. Moses was born during a a time of violence, um, during the period of Egypt's history. At a time when it was uh, dangerous to be a Hebrew. The Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. And the Egyptian king was afraid that the Israelites would eventually become so many in number that they would overrun his kingdom. And they became harder and harder to keep under his thumb. And so he ordered that all the newborn male infants, who were Hebrews, be drowned in the Nile River. Now, we don't know how many babies suffered that fate. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know of one that didn't. (laughs) And it was because of his mom. And so when you look into Moses' mother you can see that she was a wonderful example. And let me read for us Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. That's Jochebed. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months because of all the executions that were going on of male children. Verse three. When she could not hide him any longer, she took him uh, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes, and daubed it in pitman pitch, and put the child in it, and placed it in the reeds by the river bank, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done with him. Verse five Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river while her young woman walked beside the river, and she saw the basket among the reeds, and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, this is the baby's sister, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? and Pharaoh's daughter said to her go so the girl went and guess who she called she called the child's mother Jochebed now what's interesting when we read that you you clearly see God's sovereign hand of protection on this little this little baby Moses but you also see a woman a mother who also had a very godly Faith and a godly influence on her own son. Well, let's look at her identity. She was obviously a godly mother. Yacobed, the way you pronounce that, it means the glory of Jehovah. Or Jehovah is her or our glory. Um, she was an Israelite, one of God's chosen people, the Bible tells us. She was also a member of the tribe of Levi, who came out of the tribe of Levi with the priests and those who would care out, carry out the duties around the temple and the tabernacle. Uh, she was obviously a godly woman who, as we'll see, really stood for her faith. She had a relationship with God as her sovereign Lord and King. I don't think anything is more profound and lasting as far as influence goes, in the lives of children than having good, godly examples in their homes. And that's so important. Um, Benjamin, Dr. Benjamin Carson, who's actually a candidate for the President of the United States, running, he was a director of pediatric neurosurgery at John, John Hopkins University. He wrote an essay once called There is No Job More Important Than Parenting. I want to read for you and you can put it up there on the screen. I think it's on the uh, about the influence of his mother on his life. He wrote this, "Over the years, my mother's steadfast faith in God has inspired me, particularly when I had to perform extremely difficult surgical procedures or when I found myself faced with my own medical scare. A few years ago, I discovered I had a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. I was told it might have spread to my spine." My mother was steadfast in her faith in God. She never worried. She said that God was not through with me yet. There was no way that this was going to be a major problem. The abnormality in my spine turned out to be benign. I was able to have surgery and I'm cured. My story is really my mother's story. A woman with little formal education and worldly goods who used her position as a parent to change the life lives of many people around the globe and his mother i don't know if she's passed away yet or not but she's close to it He'd be praying for her well what does a godly mother or father for that matter look like well james chapter 5 verse 16 says this therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working I think one of the first things that we would conclude to be a godly parent would be one who prays for and with their children. Pray for and with your children. That's so important. It's so important to take the time to acknowledge, as that verse says, your own faults in the presence of your children. Have a sense of transparency. We don't, we don't need parents who portray themselves as God to their children. They never do anything right wrong. They always do everything right and never have to apologize. That's not a good example. It says there, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's so important that we spend time praying for and with our children as an example. As a parent, how's your prayer life? Moms, you're busy. I get it. But if you're too busy to pray, you're just too busy. Secondly, Deuteronomy 11.19 says, another character trait of a godly mother would be one who studies God's word and teaches it to their children. It says in Deuteronomy 11.19, you shall teach them to your children God's precepts, his law, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Isn't that interesting that a godly parent is one who takes God's word and applies it to everyday life? The last thing your children need to see is a parent that breaks out the Bible once a week on Sunday. That's the last thing they need to see. They need to see you open the Bible when they come to you with a question. Or when they're being disciplined. Or when they're being praised. They need to see you turn to God's Word 24-7. Every day of the week. And you notice here, it's not just the intellectual knowledge of God's Word. I said they're one who studies God's Word, but also teaches it to their children. There's a lot of people who know a lot of verses, but somehow it doesn't make their, its way from their head to their heart. <laughs> they don't apply it to their own life. They quote verse after verse after verse. But it almost has no effect on them. Kids see right through that. You know, be practical with your children as you apply the Word of God. When they want to watch a movie and maybe it's not appropriate, don't just say it's not appropriate. Show them in the Word of God why it's not appropriate. Why we should put a guard over our eyes and our ears. Help them understand that you turn to the Word of God for your wisdom. And then also it says they're not only teaching these things to your children, but talking of them. When you're sitting down, when you're walking, when you lie down, when you rise. I mean, this is a message we all need to hear. But moms, you've got a tough job. And if you're trying to do it yourself, it's a losing battle. You need God's grace every moment of the day. Some of you need a lot of God's grace. You've got a lot of kids. You need grace every day. So study the Word of God. Let them see you studying the Word of God. Make it a priority. And then teach it to them. Practically. Practically. Apply it to their lives. Thirdly, godly mother would be one who sets an example by the life they lead. We see that in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. <laughs> writes this, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Isn't it wonder how how a mother can have that kind of an influence on a child, that they can actually pass on a sincere faith? It doesn't just happen by osmosis because your mother's a Christian. Well, you're going to be a Christian. No. That's why we said you have to study the Word of God. You have to, to teach them the Word of God. You have to pray that God would draw their hearts to Him. Moms, you can do a lot, but you cannot save your children. That's God's job. But your job is to lay the foundation. To make sure that that foundation is laid so when that tug on his or her heart is made, that they're ready and they understand their need of a Savior. I like how he says that it started with the grandmother Lois and then the mother Eunice and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. That's the kind of influence that parents have on children. That's the kind of influences that moms have. I know that some of us may have lost our our moms. I lost my mom when I was three. But you know what? I had a family that sister-in-laws and sisters that kind of stepped in and and took the role of a mom. They weren't my mom, but they sure acted like it most of the time. and i'm grateful for that to be honest i really am they sacrificed a lot to raise the rest of the family six brothers two sisters and so it's important that we realize that you know that kind of influence is something that needs to be cherished it shouldn't be taken for granted well the fourth thing here of a godly parent one who has a compassionate heart psalm 103:13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Those who fear him. Um, You could read, as a mother shows compassion to his children. I don't know about your situation, but it was probably my mother who showed more compassion to me than a father. I think that's why he uses the example of a father. But it's important that we realize that we need to be Compassionate to our children as they're being raised. I remember stories of... hearing stories of my father who he wasn't very compassionate. You know, he was a very type A driven medical doctor. And, you know, if one of my brothers hit three home runs in a ball game, which many times they did, my brother told me on the way back to the the house, he would say, what... I can't believe he struck out. <laughs> you know, and not in a negative way. Just he wanted him. He wanted the best for his kids, and but it had some negative consequences, unfortunately, on some of them. So we need to be compassionate. Fifthly, we have to understand. It's one who stands firm in their faith. Philippians one twenty seven says this, Only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Stand firm in your faith. And kids see this in their parents more than anybody, whether this is true or not, because they're with you all the time. We have to make sure that our our lives are are consistent. Now, we're not going to be perfect. None of us are perfect. And there's going to be times when we lash out or we get angry or whatever it might be. And we're not a good example, but we need to stop and we need to explain, hey, look. Yeah, I was wrong, and this, this was not right. What happened? Sorry you had to see this. But then explain to them, this is where God's grace comes in. But we need to stand firm. You know, it kind of gives the indication here in this verse, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so whether I come and see you or I'm absent. That means, you know what, whether I'm there or not, it doesn't matter. If you can teach your children that concept of obedience... That whether mom and dad are here or not, we still want you to do the right thing. We still want you to make good choices. We still want you to live a life that's honoring to Christ and honoring our family name. i never forget whenever my son-in-law goes through a, a promotion ceremony or some Navy thing and the kids, the children have to go, uh, Crystal sits down the kids and she says, you need to remember who you're representing. First of all, you're representing this family. Secondly, as Christians, you're representing Christ. Thirdly, you're representing the U.S. Navy. You're the son or a daughter of someone in the Navy. And your actions depict what goes on in our home. And you need to make sure you understand that. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But (laughs) it usually does the trick. See, we, we have to understand that, you know what, we're not here to live a life just of show, oh, look at what I do and, and look at how I act when I'm at church and everything, and then we live a different life outside of church. Kids pick up on that real quick. No, we have to stand firm in our faith. As he writes there in, in, in Philippians, one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. 1 Peter two nine says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Whether you're a mom or not, as a Christian, that's your role. And you know what? That's important to, to grab a hold of that and to understand that. That there's an expectation here as we live this Christian life here on this earth that's filled with sin and darkness all around us, that we're supposed to shine the light of Christ. And moms, you need to shine that to your children. Dads, you need to shine that in your home as well. That's a little bit about Jacobet. Her dilemma was this. Secondly, she was living in this hostile environment, as we talked about. She she had no bed of roses. This was a, a tough woman. She was born in Egypt as a daughter of Levi. The only thing she had known was the curse of slavery in her life. And the Egyptians basically dreaded the Israelites, and they made everything difficult. Look back at at chapter 1 of Exodus, and I'll just read here uh, verse 8 and continuing. It says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh, store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, look at this, the more they multiplied. Think of being a mom in that kind of an atmosphere. Not only do you have your children to care for or whatever, but you're serving as a slave to this wicked king. The New Living Translation says this, The Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless. I mean, she could have whined. She could have said, woe is me. You know, man, I really got it tough as a mom. She could have complained about the difficulty of life's circumstances, but you notice she did not. She did not do that. Jacobed would not allow herself to surrender to the hopelessness of life as a slave in Egypt. We see in hatred and fear of the Hebrews, Pharaoh ordered the killing of all Israelite male infants. And he wanted them cast into the Crocodile-infested Nile River. says there in verse 22, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born, chapter 1, verse 22, To the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. These kind of things still go on today. See, there was great peril here with the Pharaoh's command, the Pharaoh's edict And if you disobeyed the pharaoh, it probably would have cost your life. I mean, we live in a world today, beloved, that seems to be growing more and more hostile toward Christians and biblical Christianity. Would you agree with that? You see it. And it's not just ISIS. I mean, you know, this stuff has been going on for years. I think with social media, we're just more in tune with it. We see it as it happens live And even though, as of this date at least, we don't have overt persecution in our country that the Israelites faced at the hands of the Egyptians, we're not slaves, there seems to be this growing opposition, this antagonism toward Christianity. And I just want to encourage your hearts, you know, sometimes all that information can get overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And I'm sure as a mother, you're, you're, you're preparing your children. You're, you're doing all these things with your children. And you're thinking, you're looking at the world scene going, what am I preparing them for? <laughs> John 15, verses 18 to 19 says this. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. We have to really resist as godly people the evil pressures of this world. And the only way we can do that is by the grace of God through the power of his spirit and the power of the world, the power of the word. Uh, The third thing here, her courage. If you look at this, she refused to go along with the flow. I mean, they were given an edict. If you had a male child, you're supposed to cast them into the Nile. Well, she refused to consider her own life, her own comfort, her own convenience, or even safety, and she took her child into hiding. She refused to bow to the Egyptians' commands. Uh, Verse 1 and 2 there it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months and say what happens if he wasn't a fine child, but we won't go there. (laughs) Jacobet knew the decree that Pharaoh had made. She knew that. She was aware. Everybody knew that. She knew that her baby's life would be forfeited if she didn't do something about it. And she knew that by doing something about it, her own life might be forfeited. Her own life might be sacrificed. But that decree just went against everything Basically, humane, moral, right, instinct of a mom stepped in and said, no, I am not going to do this with my child. So Jacob, fearing God more than man, made a decision that, though it put her in great jeopardy, proved to be the decision that literally saved a nation, when you think about it. Many might ask, could any mother even think about killing their own child. Unfortunately, we live in a society today where a lot of women don't think very much about it because millions of mothers kill their unborn children every year. They're murdered in the womb before they ever even take their first breath. And when you look at the worldwide figure of abortion, your heart just breaks. And so seeking to preserve Moses' life, she saved the life of Israel, their future lawgiver and leader of the Exodus. Isaac's birth took place in England, it was on a cold day. He was sick. Little Isaac was born premature. Everyone around him thought that he was going to die. His father had died two months earlier. And his mother was having a very hard time caring for the family, running the farm, looking after her new, her new baby. And there was a war raging all around them. Some people think it would have been easier for Isaac's mother if she would have just have aborted Isaac, but his mother wouldn't even consider it. And just as well for the world, because Isaac grew up to be a scientific genius. Isaac was the one who discovered the law of gravitation. He revolutionized mathematics by developing calculus. He improved the telescope. He became famous for his work in physics, mathematics, and astronomy. Isaac was the first person to receive a knighthood for scientific achievement. And when he died, 1727, at the age of 84, the government honored him by burying him in London's famous Westminster Abbey. It might have been easier for his mother to abort that child or give him up for adoption. That child went on to become Sir Isaac Newton. The greatest scientist the world would ever know. I can't help but think how many geniuses are lost to the world through abortion. We'll never know. But moms, you have to come to a point As Peter said in Acts 5.29, you know what? We must obey God rather than men. There's a lot of influences on moms out there to do this, to do that. And you know what? You need to go back and say, hey, that that may work well with you, but I I go by this book. I get my parenting skills right here from God's Word. And I'm going to be a slave to Christ and for Christ, even in raising my children. Well, the next thing there, her sacrifice in chapter two, verse four, it says, His sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. So God worked this all out. This is the little baby's sister, and took him down, threw him in the river there, and sisters kind of spying out the land. And Jacob had gave Moses everything she could during those first months, and then she had to give him up. That would have been so difficult as a mother. I mean, it's one thing to have a baby in the hospital and you immediately give it over to, abo- to uh, adoption. You know, that would be difficult. But can you imagine taking that baby home for six months and then having to give it up <laughs> after you've bonded with it? Wow. But she realized that she could no longer hide this infant son. And so she made this little cradle of reeds. And these reeds were believed to be protection against the crocodiles. And then she placed the cradle with it. This little treasure secretly hid among the rushes in the riverbank. She told Miriam, her young daughter, to stand by and see what happens. I mean, who would do that as a mother? It's just crazy. But she knew the edict of Pharaoh meant, you know what? her, Her baby's life is going to be forfeited one way or the other. And so she had to do something to at least attempt to save his life. And she knew that her own life was on the line if she disobeyed. But that decree went against everything that she believed in. And so fearing God more than man, she made that decision, even though it put her in great jeopardy. And she proved to be the decision that saved a nation. I'm sure she placed that little baby in that that river. She probably thought, you know, I'm never going to see this child again. The chances of me seeing this child are rather slim. She didn't know how this was going to work out. But she was obedient. I mean, all the odds were against her. And yet, she was willing to do the right thing. She entrusted her child into God's hands. And moms, if you don't hear anything Else, what I say this morning is you have to do that. You have to understand that your children are entrusted to you by God. Yes, you've given birth to them. Yes, you're their mother. But he's their creator. And he knows what's best. And sometimes, as hard as it may be, to sit by and and watch your child make wrong decisions or do things that could potentially harm them, when we want to always fix everything, sometimes we have to stand by and let things take their course. Trusting God that He will care for your child. Trusting God that that little child that you've cared for all these years is just as important, if not more important to Him, than it is to you. So we have to trust the Lord to care for these children. And, but God honored this. And he honored it really in a way that she was walking by faith and not by sight. Because what she did does not make rational sense. But that's what the scripture tells us. Proverbs 3, 5-6 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Mom, as you're doing your work as mothers, trust in the Lord. You know, um, that's where the trust needs to be. And that's what we see, fifthly here, her faith. Jacob had faith in God's protection of her baby. Only because she trusted the Lord could she leave that little baby abandoned <laughs> rather than see him killed. She believed somehow that God would take care of her child. She didn't know how, but she knew that somehow God was going to take care of her child. Isaiah 7-9 says this, If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. If you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. See, in the midst of these dire consequences, Jochebed fully entrusted her child to God's safekeeping. That's the only place to put them. You're not going to be able to watch your children 24-7. You just can't. So there comes a trust. And moms, I know you know that. But sometimes it's good to have that affirmed. Hebrews 11.23, it tells us this. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. And God was able to work around this situation as a result of Jochebed's faith and her fear of the Lord. I mean, imagine there's children being murdered around her every day. And she simply said, you know what? God, (laughs) I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen. And I don't know what caused all this to be planned By your sovereign hand. But I trust in you. So you know what? Here is my son. I'm going to entrust him to you. If we want God to work in the lives of our families and our children. We have to place our faith in him and him alone. And then we have to put that faith into action. God will not. He cannot work in our lives without us placing our trust in him. The reason I say that is because in Hebrews eleven six it says, And without faith it is what? Impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The last thing, here you see her reward in verses 5 to 8. It says, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down and took a bath while her young women were walking along the river there. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her servant woman. She took it. And When she opened it, she saw the child. The baby was crying. She took pity on him. She knew it was one of the Hebrews' children. And here comes his sister, stepping right in at the right time. Oh, do you want me to go get a, a servant, one of the he- Hebrew women, to nurse the child for you? Oh, that'd be wonderful. So the girl went and called the child's mother. See, it was no accident that when Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter saw that the, this beautiful baby, saw that it was a boy, and heard his cry, that she had compassion on him. It was God's sovereign providence that caused Pharaoh's daughter to save Moses. It was God's sovereign providence to ask Jacob to nurse the child for her. And not only that, but to get paid for it. Come on, moms. I mean, (laughs) man, you wish you had it so good. Not only was her little baby saved, but she was being paid to be cared for until he was weaned. Someone wrote this, seeing he wrote this, God honored Jacob's faith by catapulting her son from a death sentence into a royal position in the household of the king of Egypt. See, God always rewards, beloved, obedient faith. He always does. The measure of our faith is demonstrated by our obedience. That's what we've been learning as we've been going through Hebrew, or Romans. That God calls us to be obedient to him. It was Jacob's love, her faith, her courage that saved her child, Moses, from this cruel death and really preserved him to bless the world. A mother who loves the Savior and who who has a more severe anguish when she knows knows that, not the, the life of her child is at stake, but her own soul can rest in assurance that Jacob's God still lives and is able to save her dear one from eternal death. See, she was a godly woman who had laid down a foundation for Moses during the first five to six years of his life. She was the chief influence used by God during his early formative years in preparing Moses for the grand calling of God upon his life that would actually lead these people out of Egyptian bondage. It was Jacob's love and faith and courage in saving her child from a cruel, watery death and living a godly life before him doubtlessly had a profound influence on Moses. And we can see that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 27. It says this, By faith Moses when he was grown up, he refused to be, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure, pleasures of sin. He considered <clears throat> the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I mean, you can really say that, that Jacob had let go of her little baby that day and said, you know what, God, this, is all, this has got to be all you. And just as God provided for Jacob, as she placed her trust in him, he can provide for you as you place your trust in him. I want to ask you this morning, are you trusting in God? Are you letting go of your own plans and your own schemes and saying, you know what, God, here's my plan, but what's yours? Are you allowing God to work in your life? Do you know Him this morning as your Lord and Savior? Are you influencing others are you influencing others by living a godly life, especially in the presence of your children? These are all questions, Mom, that need to be answered, but only you can answer them. And you know what? I'm here to say that I don't know what it's like to be a mom. It looks like a lot of hard work. and But I know as you do it faithfully... Sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're not going to be the best mom that you should be. And I'm just here to tell you, you know what? That's okay. That's where God's grace steps in and says, you know what? This mess, I'm going to make something of it. Trust me. And he'll do that. See, being a mom is not about being perfect. It's not about, you know, having every I dotted and T crossed and Never making a mistake. No, being, being a mom is someone who's dependent on Christ each and every day, knowing that it's only through Him that you can have any positive influence on anybody, including your own children. So it comes right back to our trust, our dependence, our faith in our lord and savior jesus christ. Father, we thank you for our moms today. We thank you for this example in the old testament of Jacob and her willingness to obey you in spite of all the odds, in spite of the threat of her on her own life, in spite of the threat on her child's life. Lord, I know just dealing with a lot of people in crisis when they're in crisis, sometimes we don't think straight. It's amazing how jacobet kept her head through all this stuff. And Lord, we know it was your influence on her. And so, Lord, we pray for our moms here today. We know there's a lot of pressure by the world to do things according to their standard. There's a lot of pressure even from the kids to compromise, to give in. Lord, I pray that you would make them strong, that you would help them to build upon the foundation that they have of their faith in you. And, Lord, that you would, uh, most importantly, each day, fill them with your spirit. Help them to be spirit-filled moms. Moms that are full of love and compassion and yet are able to discipline when the time is needed. Pray you'd give them wisdom beyond their own as they trust in you. Lord, we pray for any mother here. We pray for anyone here, for that matter, who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, who has yet to put their faith, their trust in you. Lord, especially being a mom, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine trying to do that without your help, without you being on our side. And so, Lord, I-, I pray for, especially the moms here today, if there's any here who have yet to put their faith, their trust in you, I pray that they would understand that even more important than being a mom Is being your child. Being. Connected to your creator. And because of our own sin. That connection was severed. Because of our own sin. We need restoration. We need forgiveness. Lord I pray that you would. Draw their heart to you. That they could cry out to you. Lord be merciful to me a sinner. Save me. Show me my need. Of a savior. Help me to put my faith and trust in you. Lord, only you can do that. You can make that transaction complete. You can transform that heart into a heart that loves you, that's filled with your glory and your love and your forgiveness. And so, Father, we pray that you would do that work this morning. We thank you. Pray you bless our moms today. I'm sure they got things planned, and just pray that you would bless each one. Bless their activities. Bless their families. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.